Welcome to Doing the Most, the series where we talk about the misadventures of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Georgie, execution strategist and serial entrepreneur. This series is here to get real about what entrepreneurial life truly looks like. We are driven, persistent, hardworking, ambitious. We are human, and these are our stories. Please note, all season one episodes were previously recorded for our video series. Welcome to this episode of Doing the Most web series, where we unlock and untap what real entrepreneurship looks like. On this episode, we have Natalia Saavedra with us from Driven Society. Driven Society is a company in New York City that focuses on being a creative agency that focuses on community. Um, and I'll now allow Natalia to tell us a little bit more about Driven Society and what they do. Thank you, thank you. So yes, as you mentioned, Natalia Saavedra. Um, I am the CMO and co-founder of Driven Society. We're one part educational organization that provides tools, resources, events um, to the community, specifically the multicultural millennial community. And we're a second part creative agency. Um, so we do events. We create events and campaigns that deeply inspire multicultural millennials. Um, and that includes, we just finished producing the New York Latino Film Festival presented by HBO. We have a podcast with Red Bull. Um, we help with the programming of the Brooklyn Hip Hop Festival. Um, we've done events with cultural figures like Dame Dash, Lena Waithe, in partnership with Julian Mitchell as part of the Get Paid to Be Yourself live talk. Uh, so that's a little bit of the agency work that we do. Awesome, congrats. So you just named a lot of big names, right? How did you get these partnerships and like how old is the company for folks that are out there listening? Yeah, so um, that first question. So uh, the agency in itself is going to be turned to on February of this coming year. Um, so the agency itself started about almost two years ago, but the community aspect of it began, I want to say four years ago. So at that point, my business partner, Travis Weeks, he was very much into the music space and he started out by having residencies at like different music venues. So that meant like he would look for emerging talent that he thought would um do really well and he would like have these music showcases um and he would bring them on to um to basically perform at this at these venues so he started out really like by putting really dope people in the room and that's exact that's exactly how the community came to be um from all of these music showcases and then little by little he started becoming more interested in entrepreneurship, business, finances, and bringing all of this knowledge back to his community because that was something that was like really important to him. So that's basically how the agency came out to be. I mean, sorry, the community. And so as a result of like really cultivating the community and having these monthly events, um, giving all of this information back to the community, we were able to build a large community of multiculturals. So brands started seeing our live events and um, 
that's actually how we connected with some of these large brands because they saw the community that we built um, and because they saw we were successfully communicating with a multiculturally a multicultural audience um, so that's um, that's how we uh, started the relationship with these brands nice nice so pretty much you guys just went out there and started right you just started with like one two three four people um instead of thinking oh well, if we don't have xyz people to begin with then brands won't come to us but you guys started the work and then the brands came to you essentially exactly yeah because we were able to prove that we could communicate with the audience that um these brands wanted to communicate with yeah because oftentimes we see folks like oh i don't have you know ten thousand followers or engagers or or um a big audience so i'm not even going to bother to produce what i what my dream is or what my idea is because i'm not going to get a big sponsor but from what you right. guys you know you guys created the community first you guys did bootstrapped and did what you had to do and then when the brand saw that oh this is working that they they were right up at your doorstep right yeah exactly and i think something that's very important to us one is to celebrate the stories of multicultural millennials. I mean, we want to be able to um, showcase the work that minorities are doing. Um, and two, we've, it, we've made it a point to really look at who our community is and who are those figures um, that are really pushing culture forward, that are really like taking the next steps into like really creating something that impacts the community. And we make it a point to work with them in one way or another. And I think that's really helped to our advantage because, um, you know, it, it really just, one, brings back a lot of information back to the community. And two, um, it's, it's helping the community grow a lot. Okay, and like, why, why are those two, th two things important to you guys? You know, why don't you do like some companies that are just focused on how much money they can make or how far they could get versus how much impact you could actually bring back and resources you could bring back to your communities? Like, why does that matter to you? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, um, Virgil is a great example and Off-White. Um, mm -hmm. He really stuck to his core uh, and his belief that he could be a really great, impactful figure in fashion and he stuck to his core about like this is what i want my brand to look like and now look this quarter off-white beat gucci nice. um, <laughs> so i think what's important to us is we understand our power we understand that um you know us being multicultural that's that's power in itself we're the ones that create the trends right um, so for us, it's more so about celebrating that and results come and growth comes and, you know, it comes as a result of us understanding our power and growing it from there. Um, so, you know, um, it goes back to, I think, the core of what we stand for, which is uh, to celebrate the stories of multiculturals, of minorities, um, and to create from there. Nice. And I want to drive back to something that you just mentioned, you know, celebrating your power and being aware that you have this power within you, I think is really important. A lot of folks out there think that they have to kind of manifest the power externally or like take the power from somebody else instead of realizing that the power is within them and just kind of have to unlock it, you know? 
Yeah, for sure. That's a key part. So did you or your co-founder go to school for this stuff? Like, how did you guys even learn how to do community events or build a community or do a creative agency? Like, where did you guys get that knowledge? Yeah, so we we both went to college. I completed. um, Travis um, started college, and then I think he got way into real estate, and I think uh, doing these events. Um, so I went to school for, um, international relations and I was going to go to law school. I don't, I don't even know what Travis started college for. (laughs) Um, so yeah, no, we do not have any traditional marketing experience. Um, we've just really taken it upon ourselves to learn about it. So, um, I have a really, um, unusual upbringing. I, uh, I was born in Colombia. My parents moved to East Hampton out of all places at the age of seven. And I, my mom is a house cleaner. My dad is a plumber. And my mom just started cleaning the house for an event producer, one of the best event producers. Um, and she would bring me around her a lot. And I think very early on, I recognized um, that well, one, I liked what she was doing and I wanted to learn more and I'm a very curious person. Nice. Two, um, early on, I recognized, I thought I wanted to be an ambassador. I thought I wanted to be Columbia's ambassador. So I realized that she was doing a lot of political stuff and I said, you know, let me do my community service hours with you and you introduce me to people that can tell me about the UN or that once I get to college, I can start working there. And I was like, 14. I was like 13 or 14 at the time. Um, so, so I started my community service hours with her. And then at the age of 17, um, at the age of 14, 15, she um, recommended me to a rental company, a party rental company. So I was a customer service representative and I got to learn all about tablecloths and chairs and linens and forks and just everything that goes into a party and then at the age of 16 17 she hired me full-time as her event planner um so I got to learn so much about branding so much about event production um so much about raising money and I really think that's what propelled me into feeling confident about starting the agency um and then with Trav um he's just always been a visionary and like understood his power um he's always wanted to bring about really awesome ideas um and you know we both don't have the traditional um experience in a sense um but we're both very much about teaching ourselves um you know because teaching yourself is easy I think it's I think we've both been able to prove that we're passionate about what we do and we feel very strongly about it and the tools you can just teach yourself. Exactly, definitely. And I see from from what you were mentioning, what I see as a trend is that instead of just, you know, pulling out a book or something to kind of read about it or learn just from somebody else's experience, you went out there and tried it. You went out there and, you know, got it done. You learned through the experience of actually doing the task. And before you know it, you knew you were getting the promotion, getting the full-time job, um, and just getting all that knowledge and then you wanted to learn more so you went out there and taught yourself and I think that's really important and a key thing that not enough people are doing um just can you talk a little bit about you know going out there and doing it if you're scared or just trying to learn something new if you're scared yeah for sure I mean 
I think, and that's something that um, I want to thank my parents for. Um, you know, my parents were never like, you ladies have to, because I have an older sister, you ladies never have to work a day in your life. But I think seeing our parents work so hard in that traditional immigrant story, mm -hmm. it made us want to be like, well, you know, if they can do it, we can do it too. So I think that's part of the reason why we started both working at such a, uh, an early age. Um, the other thing too is that my dad really always talked about, you know, this is the land of opportunity and when you come here, um, you can have anything. And that really, I think, spilled into other areas of our lives. So I think, you know, if we wanted something, it would It, we could have it. We just had to work hard for it. That's always been the mentality that my dad and my mom gave us. So, for example, when I was, um, you know, my first year of college, I did start an internship at the UN mm -hmm. due to the relationships that I cultivated as an event planner. And um, I was invited to be a youth representative for a UN conference in Australia, but we didn't have the money for it. And so I'm talking to the event producer and I'm telling her, hey, so, you know, I was invited to be a youth rep. What do you think I should do? Because I don't have the money to do it. And she's like, Natalia, go to your college and tell them that you were just offered to be the youth representative for a very prestigious United Nations conference. A lot of times colleges have scholarships. Just ask, what's, what's the hurt? Like, what's the you know, what could happen? They could say, no, we don't have scholarships. So I did that. And I was given a $2,000 scholarship by my Department of um, International Studies. And then that covered the air, the air the airfare, because the airfare, I remember at the time was 1600 So I was going to have $400 left and I still needed money for those two weeks. Mm -hmm. And I told my dad and he's like, let's do a raffle. We'll raffle off a hundred tickets. We'll raffle off an iPhone, and I think at the time it was like the iPhone 4 or the iPhone 5. Mm -hmm. And I ended up, you know, raising $2,500 from the raffle. Um, nice. It was a lot of not being scared and saying, hey, could you support this raffle? It's for me to be able to go to a different country and to learn about culture and to learn about the UN. So I think it's, it's about mentality, right? Like, I'm blessed to have been raised in a family home where my dad and my mom always said you can do anything you might just have to work really hard at it you might just you know have to put yourself into really uncomfortable situations but you can do anything and I think you know I proved that to myself time and time again to the point where I was like all right you know when I hear no at a meeting now <laughs> I say all right what do I have to do how do I have to readjust to get a yes next time Definitely, definitely. And I had a similar upbringing as well with, um, you know, coming from an immigrant family. My family moved here when I was seven. Um, in, a dip, in another interview that I had with uh, on the Doing the Most series, um, someone in the, I was talking about, you know, that dreamer mentality, right? So it's bittersweet because it's kind of like a lucky thing, but then also, you know, there are hardships behind it when you come from like a dreamer family, an immigrant family that, you know, aspires you to dream bigger and dream more. But I see a lot of times when it comes to folks that are already in the big city or already in the economy where like, you know, the dreams are accomplished, they can't, it's, it's hard for them to dream. So what I'm trying to get at is 
I had friends growing up that were from the Bronx and, you know, they grew up in the Bronx. Their family was maybe like a second generation immigrant. So, you know, their parents, parents were the immigrants and, you know, their parents had like the dreamer mentality. But now as the third generation, second generation, they weren't able to see beyond, you know, the New York City life. They weren't able to see, okay, there was a lot of opportunities out there. So how can you reinstill that dreamer mentality of going out there and achieving more when someone was raised to feel as though they have everything right there, especially in a city like New York, where, you know, it's stereotypical to say, oh, New York has everything, um, and people don't kind of have the vision to see more. How, how can we address that? Yeah, that's a really hard question. I think, I think about that a lot um, mm -hmm. when I think about younger cousins that um, have such a different mentality than me because they were born here or for whatever reason. I also think about, you know, in the future when I have kids, how am I going to instill that mentality in them? Um, I think part of it is awareness and exposure. Um, awareness and exposure to difficult situations, um, awareness and exposure to um, opportunity, uh, to privilege, right? Like, I think, I hope that, you know, I can offer a sense of privilege to my kids um, that my parents were able to offer to me. Like, I know I'm privileged, but also I'm lucky that I went to a very um, amazing college that also taught me my privilege. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think part of it is, you know, seeing, seeing privilege. I think part of it is like being told that your dreams are not big enough, that you can dream bigger and that you can go get them. If you <laughs> like, if you just have to believe that you can, um, I think also, uh, you know, showing a person what hard work looks like and that everything is not just given to you. You have to like go after it and get it. Um, so, because, you know, I think about this, right? When I moved here, we lived in a one little bedroom motel room with another family. <laughs> I <And can't> <laughs> my, my first Christmas was a Christmas tree drawn in light on the wall. Uh -huh. And to this day, I've never felt like I was poor. I've never. And I think it's because I never went to bed hungry. And I always went to bed with so much love for my parents. And that's privilege, right? Mm -hmm. And so be, even being able to recognize privilege in really hard moments. And I think had it not been for that, you know, maybe I would see my life a little differently. Yes, I could definitely resonate and agree with a lot that you're saying right now because you know, I, I also didn't feel, you know, growing up we were necessarily poor, but it wasn't until going through like college and like high school when you saw, you know, all these people with like the name brands and like the, the hype stuff that you're like, wait, I'm a little different. But you know, because of that love that was instilled, you know, there was a point where we were living in a three bedroom apartment. It was like nine of us, 10 of us. And that sounded crazy to them. Like friends had their own rooms and stuff, but that I never said, okay, we're poor. Like we're struggling because, you know, we, I had the dreams and the, aspirations and the love to kind of like bounce off of so I think that's really yeah. important I do wonder you know how to kind of re um, replicate that to my kids like you know now they have like almost anything that they need or want they can have but I just want to create barriers in, in a sense of teach them you know hard work does pay off but you have to work hard to get to that point 
Yeah. And I think and I think another thing is growing up in the Hamptons, man. <laughs> growing up in the Hamptons will show you the differences. So I think, you know, um the fact that my mom, you know, cleaned houses, she would clean these like mansions where I would go. And at the age of 13, I started my first company with my sister. We started a babysitting company. So what we did was um, we would get a lot of babysitting clients. We would charge them, you know, $15 an hour for one or two kids, $20 an hour for three kids. It would go up by $5. Um, and at a, at a point, we had like 20 clients. So we were giving a lot of our, our school friends jobs. Um, so I think going into these like mansions and being like, all right, this is great. I'm dreaming big. Look at what else you could have, right? Mm -hmm. And why is it that I'm seeing a certain population have this? And I think that's why it's so important to bring finance back into my community. Talk about generational wealth. Understand how to, you know, manage your finances because we can have that too. There's no reason why that shouldn't be available to us. You know what I mean? So I think growing up in that environment, I was never like, whoa, why do you have that? And why don't I? It was more so like, well, this is also the, another level that's available to you. I just got um, Yeah. Yeah. So. Definitely. <laughs> you are like preaching to the choir right now. And, <laughs> you know, you mentioned something a couple um, minutes ago about kind of dreaming bigger, right? You know, having your parents say, all right, that's a good dream. That's, you know, that's a good start. But also be able to dream bigger, but not in a kind of pushy way where it's like, oh, you have to do this because I want you to be a doctor, lawyer, nurse, you know, the stereotypes, but just saying, you know, instead of saying, I want to get this type of car, say, hey, you know, you could actually own the car factory or be the CEO of the car company, you know, just dream a little bit bigger and just supporting whatever that dream is, as long as, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it makes sense. Exactly. That support system is essential. And you just mentioned about, like, you know, bringing financial literacy things back to the community. I want to talk a little bit about your college, your city college experience, because I'm also a CUNY alumni. I went to Baruch, um, and was financial, was the financial aspect of that a big part of your decision as, as to go into uh, a, a CUNY school or, or you just attended to attend? So I always knew I wanted to stay in New York City. I've always loved New York City. Um, and so I, di I didn't apply to any other schools, but um, schools in the city. I had applied to um, private schools and public schools. Uh, Hunter was on my list. City College was on my list. NYU was on my list, Fordham was on my list. Um, and I knew or I thought that I would potentially go get an MBA or a law degree. Um, mm -hmm. So given that I, I, I had an idea that I would either get a law degree or, um, or a business degree, I didn't want to come out with too much debt from undergraduate. And I also knew that my parents weren't going to be able to help me with my undergraduate. So I thought, you know, what's a great school that is affordable enough for me to go to so that I don't come out with too much debt. Um, and that's, that's honestly the only, that was honestly the biggest factor into me going to a public school. 
I'm so glad that I went to a public school. I think it's the best decision I ever made. Um, and then two, I think my sister being three years older than me and her going through the SUNY system and then going to law school um, also helped me um, with my decision making because she really loved her, her state school. Um, so, so yeah, that was, you know, that was always something that was important to me and that I would, you know, recommend to people, um, to save money in their undergrad if they are thinking about higher education. Funny enough, if I don't, I didn't go to law school and to this day, I'm still not sure if I am going to get a business degree. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. And you know, I totally respect that. And I think this narrative and that this conversation that we're having right now needs to be expanded a lot more. Um, I also, I went to Baruch for the same exact reason to the T. I didn't want to have college debt. At the time that I was applying for um, college, I had become a new and single mom. And I knew that my family couldn't be able to financially support me. So I was like, where can I go that would not cost me an arm and a leg? I cover it myself. And when I'm done, I'm not going to be in any debt. And I ended up between scholarships and different programs that participated participated in a financial aid. I have I didn't pay a dollar for college, and I know people who went out of state and you know they got this like fancy experience, and it wasn't anything more than the experience that I got when I when you look at back in uh, retrospect, and they're in you know hundred thousand dollars worth of debt, and I have to, and it's just like oh I wanted to go away, and it's like the reasons why they went away. It just doesn't add up financially for what they would have gotten as a, you know, an education if they just stayed and went to a city school or a public school and been able, or even a private school, just more local, they would have been able to save so much more money. And I think that conversation, the stigma around like, oh, city schools are not good, or you're not going to have a fun party life in college. I think that that stereotype needs to be like lifted immediately. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Especially for our communities where, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't have all this extra cash laying around and we don't have rich parents who can pay for school and we don't have this trust fund that, you know, is our little cushion just in case, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And even if like you do, I think saving money so you could spend it in a more reasonable way makes more sense, you know? And I think oftentimes, you know, money goes down the drain. Another question I want to ask you is about your, your, you know, again, diving a little bit deeper into the financials. Did you guys bootstrap your, your startup or was it like, how did you bootstrap it? Did you work in the daytime and then like hustle at night as a side hustle at first? Are you still doing that? Because a lot of, again, another stereotype I'm really trying to um, talk about is the fact that people assume, okay, the only way to become a successful entrepreneur is to quit your day job. Yeah. Yeah, but, but yeah, I, for sure. Okay, go, ahead, go ahead first, and I'm gonna just say like a little comment afterwards. Yeah, so definitely bootstrapped, still bootstrapped. Um, like I said, the agency is about to turn to in February. Um, so we've been, you know, fortunate because we do have great work coming in. Um, and um, we, I still have a job. Um, mm-hmm. and so I do my work. Um, you know on the the five to whenever <laughs> um and then trav um he's full-time to driven society um so for now he's full-time and i'm part-time um 
and um and our goal is for in the next few months for you know both of us to be full time um currently the way we work is we're really blessed to have an amazing community that backs us up so we hired people on a per project basis depending on the project and depending on the amount of people that we need we're always able to bring on people um for the project and then and then at the moment you know trav and i um are the ones that uh work mostly well trav really but yeah um i still have a you know i still have a job i think um back to your like not glorifying entrepreneurship i've i've made a budget for myself and i've said to myself you know this is what i need monthly um in order to continue living the life that i'm living and once the agency can provide that for both of us at least and we're not really scared of like what's going to happen next month that's the moment that um is that i'm going to feel confident taking the jump because um you know i don't have a grandma that i that lives in the city that i can be like hey grandma i can't afford rent this month can i go sleep at your couch or i don't have you know my parents live in colombia now my sister lives in colombia so i can't call up my sister nor would i feel right to call up my sister or my parents to be like hey can you guys cover me for you know a thousand dollars that i need to make my ends meet this month mm-hmm. um so i so that's that's the reason why i'm still like i wish i had a grandma that i could say can i live with you so that i can keep my expenses super low and i wish that i still didn't have a li- just a little bit like a, you know i i'm i'm glad that i don't have much student debt but i still have a little bit of student debt so so those are the things you know it's being realistic about what your budget is being realistic as to how you can hack that budget like mm-hmm. you know can you live with your can you live with a family member for a few years while you work on that project um you know uh meal prep so you don't spend too much money eating out so i think it's like you have to really understand where your money is going and and then try to save some money um so i think those are like my two goals my goals are for the company to be making enough a and b for me to um have saved up money as well where i can say you know i'm comfortable that in the next 6 months i can give it my all and i luckily have that saved up you know yeah i definitely respect that and one thing i want to point out as you say is being realistic with your financial budget and your financial goals right a lot of people do have that like couch to sleep on or like cushion to fall on but if you don't you have to be realistic like i have to go into my job and then i'm going but i'm going to make time because people assume if you're working you know 9 to 5 you don't have the time to pursue your dreams and your career and and your in your ventures but you actually do have enough time you know there's so many hours in a week but just a lot of that time gets wasted and people are not conscious about where their time is being spent where their money is being spent where their energy like their physical energy is being spent and just one other line i want to add to that is you know a lot of people have this assumption that if you're going to be if you're going to become an entrepreneur it's equal to quitting your job and i think you know don't quit your job because you're going to become an entrepreneur quit your job because you know you don't you don't like your job or you hate your job or you want a new job but don't just quit and just jump 
off that like ledge because you really don't know where you're gonna land. And if you have responsibilities and things to take um, into perspective, you have to really think this through. And sometimes you might get lucky and make that leap and jump onto a cushion, but there's gonna be times you're gonna leap and fall. Yeah. And fall really, really hard. Cause I see so many podcasts and like different channels, like, oh, quit your job, go hard, work 48 hours a day. I'm just like, what are you telling people to do? You're literally telling people to kind of kill themselves. And that's not healthy. And if you're not healthy for yourself, you can't be healthy for your business, your, you know, client, yeah, exactly. or whatever you want to pursue. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think a few things are important for me, right? Um, sleeping as close to eight hours a night um, as possible is really important to me. Um, eating really healthy meals, you know, and having the time to make those meals um, is important for me. Um, I think being realistic about do I need X amount of hours to spend with friends? Do I need X amount of, of, of hours to dedicate to my family? I think one thing that makes it easier for me, honestly, is that my parents and my sister live far away, right? Because I'm very close to my family. So um, have, I, I do make the time to speak to them every day on, on the phone, mm-hmm. but um, I think it's like time that I get to dedicate to the business, truthfully. Um, but I am, I, am, I am very honest with myself as to what are the things that are important for me and am I making time for them, you know? Definitely. There are, there are times that I don't get to go out dancing like I like to. <laughs> there are times that I'll miss important dates like a friend's birthday or mm-hmm. um you know um a night out with my girls but that's the sacrifice that I I'm willing to pay and live with so that the business continues growing because that's the other thing like yes be a, be realistic about the amount of money that you need to be making a month but also understand that if you don't make a little bit of sacrifice to put the m- more hours into your business you're going to be on this like um on this chase you're never going to get to your actual entrepreneur goals because you weren't willing to sacrifice hours to put into the business so that the business could grow um so you know i think there's a good balance of like being honest with yourself and then understanding that you have to sacrifice um so that you can get the results that you want definitely agree with everything that you're saying so so much um I'm going to start wrapping up now and you've dropped so much knowledge, so much information so far. You know, what do you want that entrepreneur that's out there either hustling and working hard already or that person that has an entrepreneurial dream, but maybe it's creating excuses or maybe they have like little physical barriers that are stopping them from starting a business. What advice would you give to, to that entrepreneur out there? Yeah. Um, I think, being honest with yourself um if you say that you're interested in a certain if you have goals and you have businesses are you actually working towards those goals are you actually working towards um the business um i would say you know be honest two i would say get out there and really make yourself known for that um i think it's like one thing to talk the talk you really have to walk the walk as well um, I think when I was just starting out, I wasn't sure if I wanted to get a job at an ad agency or if I wanted to start my own. And all, what I did is I sent out a lot of cold emails to people that had both. And um, I 
quickly realized that I think it was more important for me to have the freedom and the liberty to choose on the kind of campaigns and the kind of events that I wanted to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was through, you know, through um, knowledge and through exploring that I really got a sense of it. Um, I think don't, don't tackle the challenge as if it's like the, as the end result. Um, think about all the little steps that you could be taking to the end result and you'll get there much faster. Um, and you'll also get less stressed out. Like I, I, I tend to, if I look at a big picture, I kind of get lost in it. If I know what the big picture is and I give myself these tangible ways to get there, I get there much faster. Um, breathe. <laughs> um, Amen sometimes you you're just kind of like oh my god how am I going to do everything that I have to do in those moments you really kind of have to breathe um and you know get some oxygen in your body so you can start taking action um stay fit stay you know think about what ways your body um can get better um for me it's the gym for others, it may be playing soccer. For others, it may be playing basketball. But do something every day that um, will help your body stay fit. I would say those are my my um, and my advice. Awesome! Thank you so so much for being here and you know for doing the most. Um, it's really appreciated. And just seeing you out there hustling and grinding and also making your dreams come true is really inspiring. And I hope somebody that's watching this is learning and will take that leap of faith that they have to or will you know step back cut down on the amount of things that they're doing so that they can really focus in and achieve their goals and just know that it starts slow you have to just go out there and do it right you just have to do it in order to see what the results will come from it yeah um another thing is um i just want to give a little bit of what we have coming up next yeah Um, so um we just finished producing the New York Latino Film Festival. It was really exciting. Um, look out for more branded work um, for us producing, you know, conferences, for us producing more events, um, for us getting more into movie premieres. Um, so you'll see a lot more branded work from us. You'll also see those monthly to uh, monthly to biweekly events um, a lot more in the entrepreneurship space, in the business space, in the music space, in the fashion space. So you'll see a lot more of our monthly panels. Um, our marketplace, we have a marketplace, it's called The Reserve, and it's a minority-owned, women-owned business uh, marketplace. So it's a, it's a day of shopping, experiential shopping. Um, so it's not that just you get to the tables and you see the brands. We add experiential components to our marketplace. We have that once a quarter. Um, so expect that around March or April. Um, and then um, a lot more of our live series uh, with Get Paid to Be Yourself or uh, with Soundbite. So you can expect a lot more of those. And um, follow us on Instagram at Driven Society. And um, join our mailing list because we usually announce our events on our mailing list before we announce them on Instagram. Um, and then um, if you want to follow me, I'm at N-A-T-I-S-1604. So that's Nati S-1604. 
Awesome. And all that information that she just said is going to be down below in the comment section and in the information section. So definitely check out Driven Society and as their line goes, stay driven. <laughs> yes, stay driven. Exactly. Thank you so much, Georgie. This was a lot of fun. You're welcome. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Doing the Most. Catch us here next week, same time, same place. If you can't wait, head on over to doingthemost.xyz to stay connected. Until next time, keep on doing.